Hello and welcome to Giga Ohms Voices in Innovation. I am normally your host, John Baldisberger. Today we are going to have a special episode where uh, analyst John Collins interviewed Oshin DeConduin, the uh, practice lead at version 1, on taking a culture-first approach to DevOps. They talk about digital transformation, uh, the need for eyes-open enablement, rather than over-the-wall approaches, and a whole slew of fascinating topics around DevOps. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode. Really keen to know um, what got you to where you are uh, being a practice leader at, at version one. What did version one do? Uh, what do you do? Um, how how did you get there and how did it all map out? So I've always had an interest in computers that's mainly come from my dad. So from the age of, I think, three or four, I was sat down in front of a, a very old desktop, given a load of floppy disks and told, here, install Windows 3.1, would you there? <laughs> so Ooh. that's my uh, very earliest memories of computers. Um, ended up doing physics in college. Um, and then graduated right in the middle of a recession. Um, so had a look around to see what jobs are hiring. Computers and IT seemed to be pretty popular at the time. So I said I'd do a postgrad in computing. And from there, I joined version one as a graduate and then kind of worked myself up the ladder to where I am now over the years. So have um, you been programming? Have you been? Um... Yeah. So started off doing application support, uh, which was kind of an ops role for a fairly large complex billing system. But even though it was an ops role, it was a, kind of nearly a full stack experience. It, these days it would have been called a full stack role. I was doing awesome. Linux and Unix sysadmin. I was doing networking. I was doing Oracle DBA work, writing PL SQL reports, forms. I was writing Java, a bit of Python development as well plenty of bash scripting. So it was, uh, yeah, great, great exposure to IT in general, um, getting to get my fingers into all the different moving bits and pieces. Um, after a while, I noticed I was doing lots of repetitive work, kind of running the same reports, um, doing the same steps each month to patch servers and so on and so forth. So I started to write a lot of bash and Python automation scripts. Um, to try and elim eliminate lots of manual efforts. Um, and from there, I started reading up on Reddit and Hacker News and various other blogs and areas around this thing called DevOps. So kind of went down the automation rabbit hole, um, mm -hmm. learned about DevOps, clouds, uh, all the great things and Nirvana that that would bring. And then when the opportunity came up in version one for a move to another team, uh, I joined it and joined what was then called the AWS team. Uh -huh. uh, worked on quite a number of cloud and DevOps projects, everything from migrations to setting up CI CD pipelines to greenfield application deployments in the cloud. Um, and I kind of moved eventually from a pure hands-on getting my hands dirty, writing loads of Ansible and Terraform and Python and Lambdas and everything to more of a solution architect role. 
So started doing a lot more design work, uh, more pure consultancy, advisory, doing lots of workshops, pre-sales, still writing a bit of code, but a lot of my role was more oversight of more of the junior team members, um, mm -hmm. just making sure that they're taking away and doing the right things. And then January last year, I kind of changed roles again um, when an opportunity came up in our kind of newish London office. So growing, we decided to make a big investment and start to grow out our London practice. Um, mm -hmm. So effectively, we've got a digital and cloud practice, it's called, where we do everything from software engineering to cloud to DevOps, automation, um, uh, lots of uh, Microsoft stack stuff as well. So SharePoint, Dynamics 365, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, so, you, you're, you're a relatively um, small organization. Um, how many people are? Well, one we've got about one and a half thousand uh, people. In that, the that, that, that'll, so that'll, that'll still do for, for work. <laughs> I, I used to work for a, a, a very similar sized organization called, called mm. Admiral Computing. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason why I use the term relatively small is because uh, if you go to an enterprise kind of organization, that's where challenges of silos happen. That's where, uh, you know, um, there's very there's a large distance between uh, one. Uh, you know, there could be people programming over in one part of the business that have no clue about another part of the business uh, doing very mm -hmm. similar stuff and all that sort of stuff. Um, so you're big enough to. To, to, but but one of the things that strikes me is right through everything that you've done, you've always been involved in code in some way. Yes. That that you say you started in an ops role, but that was uh, scripting, you know, loads of Bash and uh, and mm -hmm. PHP and Python and all that kind of thing. And one of the things that uh, the the DevOps world seems to uh, have as a kind of preset mindset is that developers do all the coding and that, that happens <laughs> you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we've got all the languages we've got all the tools we've got all the the pipelines and that sort of thing and then ops just kind of sits there in front of screens and uh puts their feet up on the desk and, and watches and you know well it's all automated anyway so they got nothing to do they eat their chicken curries and um uh watch the world go by so i'm just fascinated by this very very different take that it's kind of it was always about programming uh, mm. on all sides of the thing and and uh, in part that's because you were big enough but small enough to have uh, all of those things to do um, yeah and when I when I first joined the company we only had about 350 people so it's a lot smaller so uh, as part of the journey I've seen the company grow in size quite significantly um, and change and evolve over time uh, I don't think if a new grad is starting off today they probably get that broad range of exposure to all the different tech that I did. So mm -hmm. it's nearly started starting in a smaller company and seeing it grow um, was very beneficial to me in my career anyway. Yeah. You, you arrived at the right time and, and you're working with, um, so version one, I'm not going to uh, second guess what you guys do, but I, I assume <laughs> it's helping uh, other organizations. Um, yeah. So we're is it particular verticals or is it uh, big, small companies or what kinds of, so we do, we have about a 50-50 split of public sector, private sector. We do a lot of work in central government, but we also do a lot of work in different verticals, manufacturing, finance, uh, lots of utility customers, um, 
quite big in uh, the aeronautical industry as well. We have a few airlines and airline leasing companies as our customers as well. Uh We're obviously going through a little bit of a tough time at the moment. Um, But yeah, so we've got a reasonably broad range of customers, big and small as well. So we've got huge enterprises and we've got a couple of startups as well as customers. So we've got a Uh a nice uh, broad spectrum. Um, Version one started off as an Oracle consultancy. So we had a a couple of guys, uh, ex-Oracle heads came, started the company off maybe I think a little over 20 years ago. Um, and grew it from there. They started doing managed services. They branched off into the Microsoft stack and then into AWS as well. So we've got quite a good partnership with AWS, with Oracle, and with Microsoft. And we work quite closely across um, all three tech stacks. Oh, my goodness. I've got so many questions I want to ask you, and I don't know where <laughs> to start now. Because uh, my, my absolute standard question at this point is, so, so what do you, yeah, how would you frame the challenge? Uh, but I'm thinking, are we talking about the big companies? Are we talking about the small companies, the startups, et cetera? One of the things that I see, um, uh, I'll start with this maybe, is that there's a kind of dynamic between uh, smaller companies, interestingly, and I'm thinking on your, your client side, who don't tend to have the baggage of the bigger companies uh, and so can go straight into the cloud native um, approaches and uh, mm-hmm. uh, have more management flexibility. They don't need to get the board involved because the board's already involved uh, and that, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas um, larger companies, um, everything's much more of a challenge when it when it comes to scaling. But at the same time, um, if we start with the word scaling, um, the smaller companies then are going to struggle as they try to, um, like suddenly security becomes more of an issue. So if we start with the notion of, uh, of, of scaling and we start with the notion of how uh, we're loosely talking about DevOps, but actually we're more broadly talking about getting innovation done, um, mm-hmm. software-based innovation. I, I use the phrase software-based innovation at scale. How do you see how do you see the world? I mean, does it compartmentalize into smaller companies, bigger companies, or is everyone sharing similar challenges? Or how how, how do you see it right now? Oh, everyone has their own challenge. There's no two companies that have the same challenges, that have the same issues. There's no magic blueprint or rubber stamp that you can go in with one company and use the exact same one for a different company. Every single company is different. Public sector and private sector are different medium small large companies are different there there's no two customers that i've been in with that have the same challenges there's lots of similarities you can see kind of some trends um across different different groupings but overall there's it's completely different every time and that's actually one of the, the things i really enjoy about consultancy is that Every week, every day, every hour, you're you're learning something new. You're facing different challenges. You're doing different things. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, th- th- yeah, th- there is there is no two co- companies that have the same challenges. Everyone's uh, different. And when when you, I mean, why, why are companies working with you? Are they essentially outsourcing to you the the development, or are they looking for help as they develop stuff and and create? Uh, software or what 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 does the portfolio look like so we are usually coming in to help companies out in areas that they don't have a lot of experience in 
So that's that's the biggest reason that we're brought in. Uh, a lot of companies have really strong core competency um, and generally tech is not one of them. So we come in and provide that tech expertise, that tech consultancy, that tech experience that can be managed services for things that they just don't want to manage. That can be bespoke software development. Uh, that can be cloud advisory, enterprise architecture. We kind of do the full spectrum, the full stack of, of tech consultancy. Uh-huh. But effectively, we are the the experts brought in to help out companies that don't have a core competency or core experience in, in technology effectively. So if you're a manufacturing company, you don't really want to uh, invest a huge amount of money in learning about DevOps, learning about Agile, bringing in uh, really, really strong teams of uh, agile experts, let's say, uh, to do hardcore software development um, because you're a manufacturing company, you're not a tech company. Uh-huh. So that's kind of where we come in. And I know that uh, when I've spoken to uh, even e-commerce organizations, um, they, uh, I'm thinking one in particular um, uh, who said to me, we don't want to be known as the world's best network engineering company. We want to be known as the world's best online travel company. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Um, and uh, and there, there's the balance. But then having said that, um, it does beg the question of how, well, there's, there's two questions in my mind and I'm trying to kind of wave my hands around, uh, which won't help <laughs> anyone listening to this, but uh, I guess there's the stuff coming in from the side, which is they need to be able to ask you a certain question like can you help us with x they can't just say we don't know what to do uh therefore we think you might be the right guys to help us and and then the other side of it is um i'm going to use the d word um or the dt phrase with digital transformation yes all organizations are constantly being told uh that uh yeah it's transform or die you've got to be doing this stuff uh you've got to be kind of digital first you've got to be devops first etc etc which suggests that they should be doing it in-house. It should be an, an inherent part of what they do. So mm. I'm just trying to reconcile, how do we put these together? So what do people well, come of, to you for and shouldn't they be doing it themselves? So uh, to answer the second question, uh, a lot of the things that people come to us for is how do we do digital transformation? <laughs> we know we should be doing it. We hear We hear it all the time. How do we do it? Uh, so we can bring in a team uh, and help train up uh, the customers' staff, help train up the, their internal IT, help them recruit, help them hire. Uh, and what, what we do a lot of the time is put in mixed skill set, um, mixed um, teams. So where we have our own techies sitting down with the customer, working together on a project, training, coaching, mentoring them and enabling them to do that digital transformation so that we can step away at the end of the project and they're able to run everything themselves. So it's rather than developing this brand new shiny tech stack and throwing it over the fence to them and saying, hey, you can run it now. We actually spend the entirety of the project working with their team together. So we'll have a team of, let's say an agile team that has eight people on it, four of us and four of them, or six of us and two of them, so that they get trained, they get coached in, DevOps and software development in whatever tech stack we're using. Uh, if, if we're bringing in cloud for the first time, showing them 
what cloud looks like, how to use it, what the benefits and advantages are. So it's really a kind of a collaborative learning exercise for them. And, and do you, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to feed you lines here. I'm just thinking about <laughs> how I might do it. Um, is it a case of working out what their strategic priorities are initially, or is it a case of helping, helping if they've said we need help with X, you go, okay, we can help you with X, but you know that there's a bigger strategic picture that they need to start drawing at that point. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just because we're asked to do X doesn't mean that X is the right thing to do. So yeah, we will obviously talk through things with them and say, Hey, I know you've asked us to do this, but there's a much bigger picture in play here. Um, a lot of the times, uh, the, the easiest example for this is a cloud migration. We've heard the cloud is important. We want to move some stuff to the clouds, help us do it. Uh, but they don't have a cloud strategy. They haven't thought about why they want to move to the cloud. Um, they haven't looked at kind of a TCO of, of how much it'll cost. Um, they haven't thought through the business case, the reasoning for moving to the cloud and really thought about all the different advantages it might bring in terms of increased agility, increased security, reducing risk, all that kind of stuff is might be in the back of their mind, but really they've just, again, been seen all the hype uh, around the cloud and said, right, we need to get there because all our competitors are there without mm -hmm. um, diving a bit deeper into the total reasoning behind it. So yeah, we would obviously sit down with them and say, hey, this is where you want to go. These are the reasons why you should go there. Here's all the benefits. Here's all the drawbacks. Here's how much it'll cost. Um, and, and hopefully, again, it's, it's a collaborative teaching learning exercise. For, for a lot of companies. That being said, we also have customers that have done all the have done all their research, have done all the background work and know exactly what they want, why they want it, are fully prepared to go, um, have done all their homework and uh, they're also a joy to work with because they're mm -hmm. organized, ready to go, it's bang, 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 and then you're done. So they got their eyes wide open. In mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask you very briefly to to do my job for me. Um, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the 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 dirty truth of the analyst industry is uh, uh, it's all about finding out what other people are doing and then pretending that it, it's what I thought of in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, yeah. yeah, what we see out there is exactly what we've been told. Uh, so um, the uh, from your experience uh, looking at this broad range of organizations, uh, I'm thinking about several things. I'm thinking about the whole cloud migration story. I'm thinking about uh, the fact that everyone, if you, read, if you read some of the hyped up stuff, you'd think everyone was already doing DevOps. Everyone's already mm -hmm. doing containerized applications and microservices and, and Kubernetes and all that. Everyone's already uh, uh, somewhere along a migration to the cloud and probably quite far advanced. Um, what's your take on the overall maturity of uh, some of these new, uh, or are they are they new to, are, are they new trends or are, are, are we already done or uh, yeah no, are, are we still no. on the starting blocks or where are we along that line? So we, there's definitely a lot of companies that are reasonably far along the journey that are quite mature. And then there's other companies that are still using Excel as a database. So um, 
yeah, there's <laughs> there's a huge, huge spectrum in terms of maturity along the DevOps journey, the cloud journey, digital transformation, application modernization. Uh, there's, I, I mean, we do a, a lot of work with um, customers that are running kind of legacy applications are running on mainframes and that are that have been running perfectly fine for 20, 30 years, but are finally coming to end of life. And, and they know that they need to transform. They know that they need to get off this huge monolithic application. Um, uh, and they're willing to take that first step, but they haven't taken it yet. Um, we've got other customers that have kind of, managed to transform part of their estate, but still have a lot of legacy stuff left behind. And then we've got other customers that are fully cloud native, but that the, the full cloud native, the full DevOps native customers are very, very few and far between. Most, most people are partway along the journey, but um, have so much baggage left behind to, to bring that it's going to take another couple of years to get there. And what's your, within, within all of that, what's your view on DevOps? as a thing is it uh, a symptom of success yeah, multiple choice is it a symptom <laughs> of success a is it b the answer to all ills is it c um a starting point uh, a philosophical starting point is it d it's just about automation and tools definitely not d um, right I can tell you that. <laughs> um DevOps, it's not a starting point. I think you need to be at least some way along the transformation journey before you can before you can start looking at something like DevOps. I would say it's a cultural change. It's a process change. It's it's moving away from blame culture, from fear culture, uh, and it's moving. It's it's a move towards a, a, an acceptance that things change. Uh, technology is constantly changing and companies need to realize that and accept that and embrace it really. Um, you can't just have something that gets built once and sits there and doesn't change for years. You have to be constantly changing, constantly evolving. Uh, and DevOps is really just the, the culture to, that accepts that and embraces it and does everything they can to work with that. So it's it's um, you have a lot of people who who are very afraid of change, who want to sit there, who especially kind of on the more traditional infrastructure and maybe data, DBAs, database side of things. They know exactly how their stack works. They don't want to change mm -hmm. it. They've got years and years of specialist knowledge built up about their um, their their own. Um, application and their stack and the more things change the less they'll understand about the new system effectively the the, the harder it'll be to troubleshoot the harder it'll be to keep the lights on to keep it performing to keep it operational but uh, unfortunately the way things are is is you have to be able to change you have to be able to adapt you have to be able to see the shifting market trends to develop new features faster to to not get disrupted um, or or you will be disrupted so really, I think, sorry, this is a very long-winded answer. No, 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 it's great. But yeah, DevOps is, right, we know things are going to change. We need to be able to change. We need to work with work with the flow rather than trying to fight the tide. Um, I mean, that, that but, that's quite fascinating because I, I speak to a lot of um, 
let's say people that have drunk the Kool-Aid already um, uh, in, in a nice way. <laughs> Kool-Aid can be great. Yeah, I love Kool-Aid. It's great. Uh, but people that say uh, you can get so far, but then it's about the culture shift. Um, so, you know, if you speak to, you know, you know, throw in a vendor here, Cloud Bees or Codefresh or whoever um, uh, on the CICD side, or if you throw, you speak to the Splunks and, and so on on the on the, uh, the the data management and blog management side, um, they all say, great, 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 but culture change. Whereas, mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying is, the culture change is the the sky hook to everything. Um, mm. the, the the thing that needs to lead, uh, and oh. then DevOps becomes a, a consequence, becomes almost a um, a lens onto uh, a representation of, of that changing culture, and then you can build yeah. on that changing culture. Yeah, you can throw in all the tooling and automation that you want, but that that doesn't really do anything. Sure, it lets you it'll it'll reduce a bit of manual effort and make it'll make your life a bit easier in some ways, but without that culture you're you're not doing DevOps. You're you're doing automation. This is probably the the way I describe that. Uh, but, but also it doesn't really matter what tools you're using. Um, there's so many there's there's a huge, huge marketplace that for different CI/CD tools, automation tools, config management, containers, et cetera, et cetera. You can use one, you can use many, but they're just tools. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's all they are, realistically. Uh, you could have a beautiful, fantastic, end-to-end, perfectly crafted CI/CD pipeline with all the bells and whistles, but if you're deploying once a year, <laughs> what good does that do you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, back to um, back to my friend Jesse at the the the, the, the online travel site. Um, uh, the there there are organisations now that I, I speak to that have become really really good at pipeline building, mm-hmm. and you're kind of thinking that no one wants to be the best pipeline builders in the world. You want to be the best manufacturers in the world or the best um, uh, pharmaceutical company in the world. Um, mm-hmm. what the best you know, online travel site. Um, and pipelines should be just the, the support mechanism, not the thing. Yeah, exactly. You want, to be, you, you want to be able to move with changes. You want to be able to change quickly, and pipelines are there to help that. But you can change without having pipelines. You, you can have that change culture. You can have that big enthusiasm for constantly making changes for looking at the market for moving with with times without a pipeline i mean having yeah. said that and I, I don't want to kind of uh, um, go down to into a pipeline rabbit hole or <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 just stuck a whole series of images in my head about rabbits and pipelines but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um did, here, here's here's the way i see it as my um you know, uh, these days, not a practitioner uh, perspective, which is that automation certainly helps. That um, if you've got a series of things you're trying to do and you want to do it at speed, then to be able to write it into, I mean, it's just like you in your old days of scripting. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you just waste so much time trying to keep things manually. Um, it does a, a quick anecdote, if I may. Uh, back yeah. in the day when I first did, uh, I was a software configuration manager. 
um, and I was running uh, things like DSEE, uh, which became ClearCase, and uh, Andromed was a tool that we were using, but you know, SCCS and all that stuff. Um, and um, I went on a software configuration management course. It was a five-day course, and we spent four and a half days talking about what you're supposed to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the final half day was, and you can use tools to do it. And it was fascinating, this kind of, it wasn't tool-led, it was like best practice-led. And I think what you're saying as well is uh, those best practices are a kind of symptom of success, and then you can use automation to support that, but don't lead with automation because you, you, you need exactly. to automate the right stuff. Yeah. Try, try and figure out what you want to do and then see what will help you do that most effectively. And, and, and is the answer that's... will probably be a pipeline of some sort. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> plus, it... plus some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still true in these? Um, uh, another hypothesis that I have. So bear with me. I'm just testing everything on you right now. Um, is that we're moving to a standardization of target architecture, be it containers or or whatever, and that enables people to build tools that are just going to deliver to that standardized target architecture. So you don't need to worry about the stack anymore necessarily. Um, you, know, you can build, you can build your, your stuff in containers and you can fire it at AWS, you can fire it at Red Hat, you can fire it at um, uh, Google Cloud. Um, and generally you'll be building the same stuff. So automation is going to have more of a role or is it still just as complex and fragmented as ever in, in your customer base? I would say that there, it depends on what you mean by target architecture. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a okay, let me, let, let me term. But, yeah, let me, let, yeah. let me, let me uh, I was dancing around the handbag. And, and what, <laughs> what I actually want to say is, will Kubernetes solve everything? No, no, it won't. <laughs> but, there you go. I was trying to avoid saying. But what I what I do see is things like um, Kubernetes as a service, so the likes of Fargate or AKS being particularly useful um, for companies going forward. Where, like you said, you can. So if we go back to again the challenge, we want to be able to make changes to our applications quickly. Um, containers are a great way to enable that. Uh, Kubernetes is a great way to enable that. So you, you don't need to worry about, oh, do I have, do, does my dev environment match my test, match my prod? Because as long as it works in a container, that container can get deployed in, in, in any environment. So yes, uh -huh. the, the container, not, not just Kubernetes, but just containers in general. Kubernetes is, is that model just is cool. your or orchestration tool for containers, but it's really yep. a container is the, the powerful piece here. It's your, I'm packaging up my code in this very easy to use box that can be dropped into different places. And I know it'll work. I know it'll be consistent. And that's the, the biggest, most powerful thing here is if I want to be able to change quickly, I need to make sure that I have consistency across all the different places that I want to change. Uh -huh. So do I, do I see people starting to converge on Kubernetes as a platform? Yes, definitely. Uh, is Kubernetes an architecture that I, I, I wouldn't say that is as strong a statement um, because you've got, 
huge amounts of integrations with third parties. You've got lots of legacy that needs to be connected to your cloud stack, to your Kubernetes stack. You have various different levels of complications and complexity. If you're a brand new startup developing a brand new application and you just have one application and you're you're going to run that, yeah, Kubernetes is fantastic. Uh, you can uh -huh, develop uh -huh. against it and then you can drop it into whatever cloud you want. But most of the customers I'm dealing with have massive legacy estates uh, that you can't just say Kubernetes is the answer. So there, there's a huge amount of transformation needed before you can even get, a, a, let's say, an Oracle database to run in a container. That, that's not something you can just hand wave away. It's always Oracle, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, sorry, that was that was that was wrong. Um, but uh, they 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 do they do have a footprint in in so many organisations. I I think uh, I think yeah, and it's making there. It, uh, and if you if you go back ten years, uh, there was one database, and it was Oracle. It was miles ahead in terms of features, um, enterprise grade database compared to any competitors. And as a result, you have a lot of people running on these Oracle databases that um, are maybe coming end of life, may, may need to be upgraded to the latest version, and, and they want to get them on cloud. And uh, this is a pretty big challenge for them. And, and again, yeah. uh, oh boy. <laughs> something like Kubernetes is fantastic for brand new greenfield applications but is uh, dealing with legacy is a, is a completely different story you need not to so much it. for uh, store procedures maybe hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah how do we run our pl sql our uh, <laughs> our one million lines of pl sql uh, what do we do with it how do we modernize that how do we transform that that's um that's some of the problems that we're talking to customers about yeah mm. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, that I love these moments where um, it's the, becomes the most obvious thing in the world. I remember speaking to a storage engineer of Veritas uh, years ago, and I said, "Surely it's just a case of you know, um, uh, you know, when we were talking about, I think it was uh, uh, um, information lifecycle management, where you can um, uh, just." Uh, take you know, new data needs to be on fast machines and, and, and fast servers with, with fast storage and, and old data can be on archive and you know, you got a decay curve and it's all great. I said, surely it's just a case of shifting it from over. And he's, he just very quickly said, yeah, but when you think about the reference for the LUN and the this and the that and the this, and the, then it's not as simple as that. I went, thank you. <laughs> just having that kind of level of complexity uh, writ, writ large. Um, Tech is uh, tech is horrible, and and we've made it that way. Hmm. And it's funny that you say that because no matter what I've come across tech-wise, there's always a way to solve it. It can be difficult, it can be tough, it can take time, but the tech part is is solvable. There is a solution, whereas the people and the culture part <laughs> is a yes. lot more difficult than any of the tech problems that we've come across. Yeah, yeah, that's the. Um, that's the biggest challenge in any kind of tra transformation is, yeah, it, there, there's a solution to the technical difficulties. There, there, it, is, it is solvable. There is very, very, very few tech problems in the world that don't have a solution unless you're operating at kind of Google level scale. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, massive, massive scale. You, you, do, come, you do hit 
um, barriers and blockers. But for a lot of the enterprises we're dealing with, the technology is is solvable. It's that that cultural shift, that cultural change, that organizational change that is the most difficult one to solve because it isn't there is no magic wand that you can wave that automatically makes everyone happy and easy to get along with and breaks down all those silos it's tough it takes time it takes effort you can't automate reticence can you really yeah, exactly um, exactly yeah uh, and something i've seen is uh one, one of the best cultural issues that is just so inherent and so difficult to deal with is just the fact that people just stop talking when they stop understanding it and then it just all goes very quiet for an awfully mm. long time and the problem is so you can't solve the problem because literally no one wants to discuss it anymore so it's just uh, okay um right <laughs> shall we just give up at that point anyway so um good uh, if it's about people and tech is solvable peace from people and culture are much harder so We've painted a great picture here of uh, mm-hmm. of complexity of uh, the kinds of things you're doing with organisations. We, we've gone into pipelines. We've had rabbits. We've had uh, uh, the K word uh, and the fact that it's more about uh, containerization, etc. So, given all of that, and if if we've got this ideal place that we're we're, we're trying to arrive at, which is any organisation just getting on top of this, if they're listening to this and they go, look. Where do I start? What, what, what would you advise them? So two things. One, embrace change. Uh, realize that change is happening. You can't stop it. Embrace it and do your best to, to work with the flow. Don't, don't try and fight it. And number two is talk. Talk to each other. Communicate. Uh, like you said, if people stop talking and stop communicating, everything goes wrong. Um, do, do your best to have conversations. Um, it's a bit trickier now, but with uh, Zoom, with Skype, with Teams, with Slack, you can, you can pick up the phone and talk to someone. Um, and I find that uh, conversations are the easiest way to break down silos. Um, most silos form because there isn't communication happening. There isn't talking. There's no, no one's talking to each other. So to break down those silos, just start talking. Uh, that's 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 pretty. I mean, you, you just reminded me of um, that 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 great book, uh, which I must reread sometimes to see if it's withstood the test of time. Called uh, the Clue Train Manifesto, um, which was very big at the dawn of the the, the e-commerce and and the the World Wide Web and all that. Uh, and it had the catchphrase "Markets are conversations." I'm wondering if we can uh, <laughs> exploit uh, uh, transformations or conversations. Um, that's what I'm going to leave people with today. Uh, have you got any last thoughts uh, as, as we wrap up? Um, um, no, I don't. Or are think we so. all good? We're all good. Embrace very, change, communicate, change and communicate. Yeah. That, that, well, that's, if that, people do those th- those two things, all the technology will follow. The technology is the easy bit. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And and if you yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you'd be very willing to explain that in more detail if people go really so Oshin it remains for me to to say just thank you so much for for spending the time on this podcast and uh, I got some great insights out of that and uh, uh, I hope our audience did too if if uh, anyone out there's got any any questions or feedback then please do let us know on the usual uh, social channels and uh, look forward to speaking to you next time cheers Oshin thanks very much for having me John really enjoyed it cheers. 
And there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with uh, John Collins. And if you did, I would urge you to go to gigaohm.com to find all of our reports and blog posts and content uh, circling the future forward advice of our analysts on IT and technology as a whole. For GigaOM, I am John Baltusberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.